Okay, the book of Lamentations, chapter 3. Stand with me. If I fall over this morning, a couple of you fellows come prop me up. I'll try to continue. Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. May we pray. Father, we bow to thank you for another day of life, another privilege to preach for the eternal word of God. Lord, I pray as I try to bring the message that you would strengthen me, Lord, physically. Open my mind clearly that I may be able to think clearly. Bring the message in a way that will honor and please you. Lord, you know every heart, you know every need. May those needs be met today in Jesus' precious name. Amen. <clears throat> okay, you may be seated. book of Lamentations has five chapters. Chapter 1, 2, 4, and 5 have 22 verses. Chapter 3 has 66 verses with each three lines beginning with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And Jeremiah began his ministry during the reign of Josiah, who led the last revival in Judah. King, King Josiah was killed in battle at the age of 39. He began to reign when he was eight. Jeremiah prophesied the destruction of Jerusalem under four wretched kings who followed Josiah, Jehoaz, Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim, and Zedekiah. Jeremiah witnessed the destruction of Jerusalem and weeps in this book of Lamentations. Uh, in chapter 3, he reminds us of being cast into the dungeon, let down with cords where he sinks in the mire. And... Uh, He's brought up out of that dungeon and is set free. Well, in the midst of this despair and lamentations, Jeremiah said it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. I'm glad God's faithful. In the midst of the storms, in the midst of the trials, uh, he says, his compassions do not fail. And they are new every morning. God is faithful. God is faithful in the punishment of sin. Verse 39 through 42 of this chapter. Wherefore doth a living man complain? a man for the punishment of his sins. Let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. Let us lift up our heart with our hands unto the God in the heavens. We have transgressed and have rebelled. Thou hast not pardoned. God deals with sin. God does not pay every Saturday evening or every Friday evening. Someone said the wheels of God grind slowly, but they grind exceeding fine. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, because sentence against an evil work is 
not executed speedily, therefore the hearts of the sons of men are fully set in them to do evil. But God is faithful in the punishment of sin. Isaiah 13, 11, And I will punish the world for their evil, and the wicked for their iniquity, and I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease, will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. Isaiah 26, 21, For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. We wonder sometimes why evil triumphs. Why men like Bin Laden, Adolf Hitler, are able to bring such wicked uh, acts to pass kill so many people. We wonder why God don't take care of them. But I want to say that eternity will reveal that God deals with sin. Book of 1 2 Thessalonians talks about this future judgment. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse, uh, verse 6, page 1271. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. To you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. And flame and fire taking vengeance on them that know not God, that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. Uh, the day of the Lord will reveal God's judgment upon sin. I think of uh, the devastation that's taken place in Afghanistan and the bombing and all. That must, it must be something to be on the receiving end of all that. I wonder what it's going to be like for this world when the fire of God falls from heaven. And uh, the Bible said that uh, the vengeance of God will come upon the unbelieving world. In 2 Peter 2, 9, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. As R.G. Lee preached that great sermon, Payday Someday. Uh, payday does arrive, don't it? God's faithful and God will judge sin. Matthew 25, 46, And these shall go away in everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. How does one judge the eternity of hell? How does one comprehend it? The punishment of sin. God deals with sin and the unbeliever. But many times that sin is not dealt with until the final day. Sin will be dealt with in the lake of fire. God also deals with sin in, in the life of a believer as, as a Christian. God deals with sin in our life according to Hebrews chapter number 12. Turn there with me please, Hebrews 12. Page 1303. We'll begin reading verse 5 of Hebrews 12. 
And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thy the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, uh, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth a peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Here God deals with his children, uh, with saved people as, as children, as parents do with children. You, you don't, when you correct a child, you don't disown them. They're still your child. But you correct them for their own good and their own future and benefit. That's how God deals with us as believers. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians 11, For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged, but when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord. But we should not be condemned of the world. How does God deal with us when we sin as believers? If I sin... The Holy Spirit convicts me. What am I to do about it? I'm to judge myself. I'm to deal with it. I'm to, I'm to confess it. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm to acknowledge it. I'm not to justify it. I'm not to excuse it. I'm to say, Lord, I have sinned. Forgive me. What if I don't do that? We would judge here, says we'd not be judged, but when we are judged, we're chastened of the Lord. We shall not be condemned of the world. God deals with me in chastisement. God does like my daddy used to do. He gets the hickory out, and he whoops me. That's the way the Lord deals with me, corrects me. And God doesn't deal with me as an unbeliever. God's not going to put me in hell but he's going to chasten me and correct me. God is faithful in the punishment of sin. But I'm glad God's also faithful in the putting away of sin. The Bible said in Hebrews 10, 26, he put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. The same God who punishes sin will forgive sin. We're all stand here today or sit here today forgiven. If we've been saved, Hebrew, or John 6, 37, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Let's turn to the book of Exodus 34, please. Book of Exodus, chapter number 34. Book of Exodus 34. Verse number 5, page 116. Verse 5 of Exodus 34, And the Lord descended in the cloud, 
stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the children's children of the third and fourth generation. Here we have a, a proclamation of the Lord and who God is. God is the God of mercy. Mercy that withholds wrath. You say, why don't God deal with Ben Laden and his, his kind? Because God is a God of mercy. Who knows? Who knows if the individuals will turn their hearts to God in repentance. That's why God reserves the unjust and to the day of judgment to be punished. Aren't you glad God didn't deal with you the first time you rebelled against Him? But He's had mercy and didn't deal with us after our sin. And we went on headlong and sinned more and more. But God was merciful and withheld judgment until one day we bowed our knees before God in repentance and faith and was saved by God's marvelous grace. He said, The Lord, God merciful and gracious, mercy is not getting that we do deserve grace is getting that we don't deserve. God bestowed upon us who ought to be in hell this very minute. We ought to be in the flames. But when we bowed and asked God to forgive us and save us, God reached forth and provided an abundance of grace and saved us. And says you ought to go to hell but because you've trusted in my son, I'm going to let you go to heaven. Merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. I want to say to you today that God's never done you any unkindness. God's never been unjust. God's never done anything but been good to me because God can't do otherwise. So why do you have so much trouble? Because I live in a world of trouble. Man that is born a woman is a few days and full of trouble and until, until I get to a, a world where there is no trouble, I'm going to have it. So are you. So I haven't had a lot of trouble. You wait. It'll be coming your way too it hadn't already. But God is good and He's abundant in goodness and truth keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. I'm glad God is a God of forgiveness. God is a God that punishes sin, yes. When sin goes unrepented of, He punishes it. But he's a God that is more willing to forgive sin. And he wants people to repent. 
He's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, the Bible said, but that all should come to repentance. He puts away sin. Psalm 86, 5, For thy Lord are good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy to all them that call upon thee. God said, I'm ready to forgive. I'm willing. I stand ready. I'll forgive you. You know, the Lord told Peter, he said, how often shall my brother trespass against me and I forgive him? Till seven times. Most of us couldn't tolerate that much. What if I come up and smacked you in the face? You say, what, what, what would you do? You say, I'd smack you down. <laughs> Someone said, turn the other cheek. Then doesn't tell you what to do after that. Well, it does, really. You say, I forgive you. I smack you again. I forgive you. Till seven times. The Lord said, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. If the Lord would command us to do that, do you think he would do any less? That means if I transgress against the Lord 490 times, I can come to the Lord 490 times and say, Lord, I've sinned. And the Lord would say, I forgive you. The patience and the mercy of God is overwhelming to me. God just puts up with us and puts up with us and puts up with us and puts up with us. And you think of your life. Maybe you've been better than I have. How many times have you sinned against the Lord? Would you say that you probably sin uh, once a week? Would you go further and say that you probably sin once a day? In word, thought, or deed. Multiply well, that by 365 times your life. And that's only probably a drop in the bucket. And yet the Lord is, stands ready to forgive us. He said, Thou art ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Ephesians 1, 7, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. In Luke 7, you have a wonderful story the Lord gave us about the creditor that had two debtors. One owed 500 pence, about $85. The other owed 50 pence, about $8.50. One owed 10 times what the other owed. But the Bible says when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Brother Thomason's bringing out in Sunday school about the value of people, the value of man. Uh, that uh, when, we, when we leave this world, if you live in a cardboard box, your box is gone. You leave your box behind. If you have billions of money in the bank, you leave it behind and you stand equal before God. One is just as much value as the other. When they had nothing to pay, 
You know, we're all sinners. The fact that some sin to a greater extent than others is not the question. The fact is that we all are sinners and we have nothing to pay. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling, O Lamb of God, I come. We have nothing to offer God. Why should God save me and give me heaven when I have nothing to contribute? I have nothing to offer. I have no value in myself except the value that God places upon me. Why should God bother with me? That's what the psalmist questions in Psalm 8. He looked up at the heavens and the stars. When I consider thy heavens, the stars, the work of thy fingers, what is man that thou art mindful of him? He says, when I behold the great universe, you look out there, a God that could sling it all into space. A God with such power, he could speak worlds into being. Why would God bother with me? Why would God even care? Because God is who he is. And he's not a tyrant, a belligerent. God is a God of mercy and goodness and truth and righteousness and holiness. And God is a God of forgiveness. Well, I'm glad he punishes sin, but I'm glad more so that he, he puts sin away. Then he's faithful in his promises to the saints. 1 Kings 8, 56, Blessed be the Lord that hath given rest unto his people Israel. According to all that he promised, thee there hath not failed one word of all his good promise, which he fulfilled by, which he promised rather by the hand of Moses his servant. Here they're recounting the blessings of God, and Solomon said there's not failed one word of all his good promise. I'll tell you, God keeps his promises. God keeps his word. It's not fail one word of all his good promises. Sometimes we make promises we don't keep. Sometimes we make promises to God we don't keep. But God doesn't, God doesn't fail in fulfilling his promises. 1 Timothy 4, 8, For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. You know, it pays to be a Christian, don't it? It pays here and pays hereafter. Someone said the pay isn't too good, too good but the benefits are out of this world. <laughs> the promises of God. Now, why my mouth's so dry? Guess why I've been so dehydrated this week? I'm glad that water's there. You notice I never, I never use it usually, but I sure need it this morning. <laughs> the promise is to the saints. Second Peter 1, 4, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Second Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness. But as long suffering us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's not slack. He'll not forget. He'll not be late. And he'll not fail. 
keep one of his promises. If God said it, God will do it. Bible said in Hebrews 10, 23, for he is faithful, that promise. Now that gives me a lot of encouragement. A lot of things in life you can't depend on. There's one thing you can count on. If God told you something, God will do it. He keeps his word. Keeps his promises. His promise of protection. Psalm 46, 1, God is their refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. You know, when we go to war, we have to plan. I mean, you can't just have a war immediately. You have to get equipment there. You have to get people there. You have to make plans. But the Bible says God is a present help in trouble. Aren't you glad of that? He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. When Peter was out on the water there, you know, I love that story. Jesus is out on the boat. There's two different accounts of Jesus still in the storm. and One account, he's asleep in the boat there. Another account, he's, he's not on the boat. But they are out there in the storm trying to get to shore and they look out and see something on the water and they think it's a spirit and, and uh, the Lord talks to them and, and uh, don't be afraid, it's I. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come unto thee on the water. Now we talk a lot about Peter but I want to ask how many of you would have stepped out of the boat. He says, come. And the storm's still raging. The waves are beating the boat. Would you have stepped out on that sea? Huh. I like Peter. Peter messed up a lot, but I'll tell you one thing. He got some things straight, too. And uh, he said, come on, basically. And Peter walked out on the water. And he saw the storm and he got his eyes off of Jesus and became afraid. And he began to sink. You say, Peter, sink. The Bible didn't say sink. He began to sink. He had enough sense when he started sinking. He said, oh, Jesus, Lord, help me. Lord, save me. He didn't wait till he was down at the bottom of the sea. And he saw, felt his feet give way. He said, Lord, save me. And the Lord was a present help in trouble. I'm glad the Lord is just that present for us. He said, I'll never leave you. He's there for our protection. Psalm 91, 2, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. He's faithful in provision. Exodus 16, 35, And the children of Israel did eat manna forty years. A lot of people losing their job. A lot of uncertainty in the world. We've went through tough times before. And maybe what it takes to turn this nation back to God. I heard them interviewing. They were talking to people in Hickory. And a year ago, how things were booming there. And now, now it doesn't look too good. My son lives down there in Hickory. And he's in the food business. 
which everybody's got to eat. I guess it's a pretty safe business to be in, but not guaranteed. Well, the children of Israel did eat manna 40 years. Out there they are in the desert area, no water, no food, but God brought them water out of the great depths and God sent them angels' rations. Someone says God will take care of his own if he has to put angels on half rations. God won't have to do that. He'll take care of, he'll take care of you. The children of Israel did eat manna 40 years. God's faithful in his provision. The psalmist in Psalm 37, 25 I have been young and now I am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. David said, I, I was a young man, now I'm an old man. I can identify more every day with that. But he said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He says, God will take care of you, basically. He's took care of me all these many years. Matthew 6, 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. You know, sometimes there's a tendency when things are not booming to cut God out first. That's the worst mistake a person can make. It's to cut the Lord out and not, be, not tithe. Uh, God said, seek ye first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. You know, Elijah there during a time of tough times, real tough times, famine, no water, no food, no jobs. God sent him over there to the widow of Zarephath. She is out there gathering some sticks. Want to make a fire. A little, a little bit of oil in the barrel. A little bit of meal rather than the barrel. A little bit of oil in the cruise. You make me a cake. She makes him a cake. And lo and behold, there's enough for her and her son a cake. Scrapes all the meal out, I believe. Pours all the oil out. Next meal. What are you going to do now? Goes to the meal, and lo and behold, or the barrel rather, and lo and behold, the meal is still there. And God provides and takes care of them during that time. You know what God's saying to us? You put me first, and I'll take care of you. You don't put me first, you're in trouble. <laughs> Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. His promise of protection. His promise of provision. His promise of peace. Well, we're not going to have peace in the world. This won't be the last conflict we're involved in. The Bible said there be wars and rumors of wars until the Prince of Peace comes. But in the midst of the war, in the midst of the conflict, in the midst of the storm, God says, I can give you peace. Isaiah 26, 3, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. John 16, 33, These things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. 
I'll close with this illustration I've used many times before. I don't guess that five-minute sermon that made it, did it, brother? <laughs> I was thinking about that. Let me give you this illustration. When I don't feel good, it takes me longer. But the, uh, uh, these artists were commissioned to paint a picture of peace. And uh, they, they painted their portraits, their pictures rather, and, and uh, had various peaceful scenes. And, uh, you know, peaceful streams and meadows. And finally, this artist unveiled his painting and it was, it was a raging storm. Dark clouds. The waves beating against the rocks. And the darkness, the dark night scene, dark scene, the darkness of the clouds and all. And they says, you, you must have misunderstood. We, we wanted a, a picture of peace. He said, oh yes, I, I did understand. And he says, if you will notice, in a cleft of the rock is a little bird. In the midst of the storm, in the midst of the raging, in the midst of the darkness, that little bird is safe. And that clave of the rock, that's peace. And that's the peace that God gives us. Many times He don't take the storms away. He don't cause the raging to cease. But in the midst of it all, there's a peace like a river, a peace that passes all understanding. I'm glad you can have that. Spare heads, please.